Metal modernism, the philosophical engine. So what is this world word metamodernism that I keep using? It is a kind of philosophy, a view of the world. It is quite different from what we are generally taught in school, even at universities. It is different from the general modern worldview. A lot of people think that philosophy is a certain activity, that you write books about it or listen to radio shows, daydream or discuss with friends. But philosophy is more than that. It is one, how you view the world, ontology, what is really real, and epistemology, how to know stuff and your place in it, your idea of a self and what is right and wrong, ethics and or ideology. So everybody is a, philosoph is a philosophy. When someone prays or doesn't pray or save money or helps a stranger or works to end uh, animal slavery, all of these things are rooted in the philosophy of that person as well as in her philosophy as well as in her psychological and cognitive development, as we shall see. This book is not about philosophy, but about politics, society and psychological development. But it is written as an expression of what I call metamodern philosophy. Metamodern thinking is the engine that runs this book. We need to talk about society from a metamodern perspective. That is what we are doing in this book. The point is where the car is going, so to speak. Not how the engine works. We're doing a show. We're doing a show it, don't tell it. So that you can see how fruitful and powerful metamodern thinking can be. Just to say a few words about metamodernism. The term has been taken from two Dutch art scholars. Timotheus van Meulen and Robin van den Akker, who popularized the, the word. They claim to see some new trends within arts, and they hold that these trends seem to combine irony and sarcasm with sincerity and vulnerability. It will deepen, I will deepen this theme throughout the book. So, for Meulen, van der Akker and others, Think of metamodernism as a kind of cultural face, a kind of fashion or spirit of arts and culture that has been showing up more often lately. The way I use the word metamodernism builds upon their understanding, but I add two more meanings. The first meaning is that metamodernism is a kind of philosophy, a kind of engine for your mind. And the second meaning is that metamodernism is a developmental stage. I work with the idea that we, as humanity, can advise on metamodern stage of development. If you want to look inside the engine and get a brief overview of the metamodern philosophy, there is an appendix at the, in, at the end of this book. There you will find a more academic and detailed discussion of metamodernism as cultural phase and philosophy. You can see the engine from which Hansi thinks and writes. 
it is meant only for readers of gold and for philosophical co-creators. Reading in the appendix is not necessary for understanding the rest of this book and its main ideas. Academic heresy. In academia, there is a certain phantom of the opera, at least within soci social sciences and humanities, the phantom of narcissism. The often so dry, repetitive seminars and timid scholarly discussions seem to whisper of vague but intimate promises, ascension, immortality, passion and prophecy. Because each academic researcher is modeled on great myth mythologized intellectuals of the past, we can all pretend to be like them, without even having to present empirical findings or significant adv advances, which is at least partly different in medicine or physics. All we need to do is to display a certain arrogant, learned demeanor, and we can reap the rewards of feeling extraordinary extraordinary and talented. By acting very sure of ourselves and employing rich jargon, we can put up we can put up poses of unfalsable brilliance and aspire for dazzling moral conviction. But such extravantages are only possible at the expense of our poor colleagues who have to put up with us getting less speaking time, attention and recognition in the process. This phantom is thus something that we must be contained in the everyday interactions and social games at the universities. Lest the academic social order become quite dysfunctional, full of conflicts, with little real work to be done, being done. So, I did finish the paper on time, ha, neither did Wittgenstein. Just imagine the chaos if people could, could get away with that stuff. The chief means to keeping the phantom of narcissism under the table is to describe to. The chief means to keeping the phantom of narcissism under the table is to describe to and hold one another accountable to certain norms and virtues. These are increasingly prevalent within academic life, at least at the surface level. Humility and honest working, camaraderie and respecting only solid results, such as peer-reviewed articles and acquired research grants. It is also through academics subtly uh, nudge one another to take a on a humbler role, the professional researcher, rather than the intellectual profit. And there are good reasons for this priority. But under some circumstances, such humility is not advisable. And one has more to gain from venturing outside the halls of academic virtue. Academic writing is not always the best form to present ideas, or indeed, to develop new ones. There's even sociological research to support that claim. Academia is more suitable for small incre incremental advances 
in ground research and most groundbreaking innovation occurs in other sectors. If you want to present a new overarching perspective, like in this book, you may have to break with academia and its norms altogether. You may have to perform the darkest rituals, commit the grave, gravest heresies in order to invoke forbidden, fan, forbidden phantoms. Farewell, respectability. I never loved you. Hello, new truth. New truth. Welcome, new perspectives. I come from academia, so I know roughly what philosophers, legal scholars, economics, economists, sociologists, political scientists, anthro anthropologists, historians, and physiologists are up to. And none of them are, can offer you the understanding you get in this book. You cannot get it from the brilliant neo-Marxists, not the impressively data-driven, digitalized, complexity economics, not the ecology and sustainability-oriented economics, economists, not the animal rights, theorists, not the chaos theory researchers at Santa Fe Institute, not the post-materialists as in the philosophical, philosophical school, and new materialists, post-humanitists, transhumanists, post-constructivists, speculative realists, cyber semioticans and activists and neurophenomenologists or even from the other metamodernists who work with cultural theory and art. <laughs> Excuse all the difficult words. It's, it's just to get the academics of their high donkeys. If you're an intellectual, you likely have one or two favorite thinkers. And that what's more. You often use your understanding of these thinkers to say yourself about others that they don't really get it. But does your favorite thinker put you, the reader, above and beyond this book? Not so, unless you are reading this fa farther into the future. He or she cannot save you, not Gillis Deleuze or Alain Badiou, Savoy Zizek, Karen Barrett, Roy Basker, Quintin Melasilos, Ken Wilber, Suzanne Cook-Greuter, Otto Schiarmer, David Graeber, Stephen Wolfram, Manuel De Landa, Nick Bostrom, Peter Sloterdijk, Paul Tillich, Murray Bookchin, Roberto Unger, André Gortz, Victor Frankel, Alan Watts, Fritjof Capra, Bookminister Fuller, Christopher Alexander, or their representative followers. Excuse the name dropping and the high proportion of men. A mainstream soci sociology 
or social science will certainly not suffice. Post-structuralism, Foucauldian thought, queer theory a la Judith Butler, post-colonialism, post-colonialism, discourse uh, analysis, critical theory, Habermasian theory, intersectionality, word system, world systems theory, lumen systems theory, Meritonian middle range theory, Bourdieu's tradition network theory, rational choice, mathematical sociology, ethno-methodology, social constructivism, or interactionism. Excuse the name dropping. And no psychoanalyst or Nobel Prize winning economist will do. Not even the not yet prize winning theoretical Jens. Not even the not yet prize winning theoreticians of the peer-to-peer and sharing economies, economies. Nor can you get the same understanding from any of the political leaders, business executives, neuroscientists, physicists, behavioral biologists, logicians, cosmologists, spiritual gurus, Zen masters, or even Bruce Lee. None of them have an anchor an encompassing enough picture of political life to give you all the answers that you get in this book and its sequel. All of these things will get you somewhere along the way, but none of them contain a meta-modern understanding of politics. We will just have to study this text in order to get the hang of political metamodernism. No small claim, admittedly, but then again, All those people are good at other things. And I'm sure you are too. And I am the great Hansi Freinacht. That's just life. Another reality you have to deal with. Here at auspicious crossroads of the facts and fiction. I owe a lot to many of the mentioned ones. But... But of, I owe a lot to many of the mentioned ones, most of whom are considerably more significant than my own work. But the point I want to make is that I am subsumed by none of them. I am plowing any of their. I am not plowing any of their fields. I'm claiming a new one. You cannot replace reading my work with any of them. Your favorite philosopher won't save you, even if if it's Charles Sanders Pierce himself. In fact, I hereby challenge you to find one source in the world that says anything resembling in the overall message of this book and its sequel. You, the contemporary reader, cannot. And, of course, in this beautiful transpersonal world where everybody is entangled with everything in the gazillion hyper complex ways 
Hansi-Freinacht couldn't even exist without the inspiring and groundbreaking worlds, works of pretty much all of the above. That's just as I cannot exist without you, the reader. You are co-creating me through the brave act of reading a stranger's words. The reader rebels. What else must we achieve with this book? You are to be equipped with a multidimensional political, psychological, developmental map of our time. You will see some fundamental dynamics of how society and its citizens are evolving, in which directions and how different kinds of people fit into that map. And yes, that includes yourself. For most readers, unavoidably, this is a di disappointing read. Yet another reason to try to ignore and resist the text. After all, you are less likely to in inhabit a super flattering part of the map. Few people do, but that's okay. And as we shall discuss, there are other aspects of life that are more important. However, you're probably still better off being aware of the map so that you can successfully navigate to the world, especially if you are someone with considerable power in society. I can only hope that you use it for good ends. Now, let's go on introducing the book. Quote, Hang on a minute. I am still mad at you for insulting me a few pages ago. And then you even had the nerve to brag right after putting me down. You were such a pretentious bastard. Unquote. Oh really? If this is the case, you may have to be upset while you read the last few pages. Thereby missing some very important points. You should probably put down the book to take a long hard look in the mirror. Get over yourself and reread the last section. You know? You can't actually have a fight with me. I am that text at your disposal, remember? Quote. Don't tell me what to do. These are my feelings. I read this book mainly because of how it makes me feel. And you are maybe making me feel bad. So maybe I'm just going to dump you. I hate you already, Hansi. I can, I can see what a false manipulative rotten apple you really are and I will reveal it." Unquote. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn about your feelings. Listen, we are trying to achieve something here. To substantially contribute, contribute to sp sparing a vast number of people and other animals from oceans of suffering and de degradation. If you want to do this, you are going to have to start taking responsibility as a reader and stop having arguments with a piece of text. Again, remember you are doing this. You are the creator. Now, if you were not provoked by these academic heresies, wonderful. You might be one of the worthier readers, an emotionally stable and imaginative co-creator of her time. And don't worry, you will get to rebel, but you need to do it at the right time, with the right clues, 
for the right cause. Your predictable objections. Is this an empirical work, a work of solid science? Some chapters or parts of chapters are well backed with empirical findings, such as the ones on cognitive development, chapters 8 and 9. There are many peer-reviewed articles used, together with some other sources, like the writings of reporters, scholars and philosophers. Of course, peer-reviewed articles can themselves be criticized for their methodologies and interpretations of results and the like. But I use high-quality articles and skip the sketchier ones. And I avoid using references as best as I can. You will find the minimum number of sources, just enough so that you can easily find out more about each topic and check my claims. However, I sometimes write sub-discussions sub in the endnotes for more advanced or interested readers. You will find many answers there. If you just want to get the hang of the book main message, you can skip past them. Other parts of the book are based on arguments and generalizations that you must weigh and consider with your own rational and emotional faculties. Much like arguments of other social theory theorists. You see, politics is continuous not only with the ritualized forms of knowledge that we call science, but perhaps even more with the common sense of everyday life. Social theory is where the science and common sense meet, where you discipline your mind and you use the best scientific findings you can come across, but you still have to build upon your common sense in order to make assumptions about society, politics and social reality. Think about it. Did anybody ever prove that means by means of scientific methods that human rights are good? Did they prove that liberal representative democracy with capitalism, courts, prisons, schools and the welfare state is the best form of governance and economy? Did they prove that feminism is good or bad or that we should care about the happiness and suffering of the other animals? That English is a good language to communicate with. Not really. People have made good or bad arguments for, for or against things. And sometimes such arguments are supported by various empirical findings. But they cannot be proven in any strict sense of the world, words. The people on the political left keep saying they have science on their side. With so much evidence of the great ills. That inequality brings and of the glorious benefits of welfare. The people on the right in turn have so much evidence that their pro-market policies give us lower unemployment and higher economic growth that thereby a greater social stability and human happiness. The Greens have clear evidence that the whole shebang is crashing either way and that we should probably stop destroying the environment. Libertarians have plenty of sociological evidence of the benefits of decriminalized narcotics. Conservatives have plenty of medical evidence to the contrary. Take immigration into Western countries as another example. 
mountains of empirical findings seem to support arguments both for restrictive and liberal policies. More than we realize it, science is a whore dressed up as a queen, a jester posing as a king. We don't recognize how easily it is bought and sold and how often it makes fools of us before the whole royal before the whole royal court. Somehow you are always on the, size, on the side of science, or so you believe. Yet, strangely, so many intelligent and educated people seem to have opinions dif differing from your own, even when science herself clearly says that you are correct. They must all be deluding themselves, mustn't they? People who desperately want to know if this is science, in matters of social theory, philosophy and existence, have lived their life, lives in childlike ignorance of the vast continents that constitute the philosophy of science and sociology, sociology of knowledge. Not to mention the very fruitful discipline of metaphysics and the now growing field of cognitive psychology which also has considerable bearing on how we should view science unfortunately likely because of serious flaws in our educational systems this includes so many highly educated and talented people somehow despite all the key understandings that our civilization had, has unraveled during the last century, showing that knowledge is contextual beyond anything we might previously have imagined, people persist in the driest, driest scientific naivety. They are ruled by a jester and a whore. Science is a very powerful method, or set of methods, for understanding the world. But real human beings, participating in all matter of everyday situations, base their worldview and political opinions on much more than science, simply because we damn well have to. We, including, we, including the scientists, have common sense understandings about society, the world and ourselves. We have our own social theory which is continuous with our common sense and philosophical outlook, loaded to the brim with emotions and unrecognized assumptions. Much of this book is devoted to mapping such common sense and to developing it. Your own social, social theory, dear reader, can be more or less formally stated, more or less complex, more or less ridden with contradictions and logical loopholes, and it can build on different forms of scientific findings. Such findings can in turn be taken from more or less fruitful branches of science. They can be more or less reliable, more or less relevant to the matter at hand, and your interpretation of them can be more or less perverse. So, to be very clear, if you are like most people, you have been overestimating your own scientificness to a preposterous extent. 
And if I want to propose a social theory, my measure of success is not whether or not I have solid proof, but simply whether or not I am less mistaken, perverted and uninformed than you are. In my mode of thinking, is if my mode of thinking is less wrong than yours, my social theory is valuable. Even if there are problems inherent in my perspective, which is unavoidably the case, there is no scientific default perspective to which you can revert and feel secure in your worldview. Your, your secure rational worldview is a lie that you have, to, you have been telling yourself for emotional reasons, more often than analytical ones. And to spell this out with even cruder clarity, here is my claim. If you call yourself a socialist, you are ridiculously outdated. If you think that you are careful, no bullshit conservative, you are deluding yourself. If you are free market libertarian, you live on the moon. If you are an idealistic green, you might be on the way, but you, ha you have yet to understand some of the most crucial aspects of social and political life. None of these positions can be proven or disproven, but they can be criticized from other positions that are more complex, more scientifically informed, more comprehensive, nuanced and coherent and less wrong. More predictable objections. Next I want to I would like to discuss three different double mind double binds that readers can use to protect themselves from understanding this text. A double bind is a term for an unsolvable dilemma that has a nasty emotional undercurrent to it. Except examples are don't obey me bad parents or you must love me out of your own free will, bad deity, bad deity. This term was coined by the polymath biologist Gregory Bateson back in the day in an attempt to explain the cause of schizophrenia. Of course, this e explanation has not stood the test of time. If we consider recent and more evidence-based psychiatry at our overall understanding of schizophrenia has since changed considerably. But the term, but the term got in primarily, primarily because of its usefulness in other psychological and social, sociological matters. Few people are wicked enough to cons consciously apply double binds to others. Yet when it comes happens, when it sometimes happens, perhaps because we feel pressured or confused. When I, earlier in my career, presented more conventional research, such as the findings from police ethnography, nobody would use b double binds or the like. 
people will be ideal listeners. The moment that I try to convey metamodern thoughts, however, double blinds start occurring with an almost frightening predictability. The mental resistance that people harbor towards metamodernism is immense. Thereby the psychological tricks that people use to quickly brush it aside show up at every corner. The double bind works simply by holding the presented ideas to impossible standards. Once uh, once that you currently accept it, views couldn't match either. You present a damned if you do so, damned if you don't. Usually without realizing that you are doing it. Your mind can quickly rush to a critical standpoint and feel justified in denouncing the new idea that threatens your status quo. Part of this is necessary. With so much implausible information around these days, we do need quick ways to get rid of the worst of it. But if you let your inner inquisition and thought police control your input uh, at the too early stage, you are bound to miss the gold mines and hidden treasures with jewels you couldn't dream of. There will be vast horizons that just never open and you will remain simple-minded. The more radical the new idea, the more painful it is to accommodate. When fundamental modes of thought are challenged, such as your very sense of self, your sense of reality, and your basic ethics, your mind starts playing tricks on you. You are tempted to use self-deceit to get out of the uncomfortable situation, so that you can promptly return to more familiar territories. Most people don't have self-knowledge and metacognition to catch themselves doing this, not even psychologists and long-term mediators. So to help you, so to help you bust your own bullshit while you read the rest of the book and later on solemnly the bullshit of others, there are three double binds that people often employ. Specific, specific please. The first double bind we call specific Specifics, please. It means that you feel irritated towards someone like Hansi, who insists on going on and on about philosophy, sciences and perspective. Yes, yes, you say to yourself, but what does all of this amount to? What are the specifics in concrete reality? Just cut the crap and tell me what it is. I'm a matter of fact person, you see. Suddenly you feel less threatened, having taken the initiative, cutting on to the case. Cutting to the chase. Now Hansi is up against the wall. And you are off the hook when it comes to dealing with all those difficult new ideas. If you, if you do get specifics, before you see the context which, within which these become meaningful or appear counterintuitive and you can rush to a falsifying conclusion. 
or you can start arguing about details, thereby shielding yourself from the new overarching perspective. Ah, what a relief. But if the speaker does begin fr from the specifics, you throw a sly smirk and say, oh, there's a naive one who thinks that you can just change things in society without knowing the greater context. The specifics are a slippery slope. You can always ask for more until it becomes incomprehensible or until the speaker runs out, out of knowledge about technical details. Effectively, you are, uh, have looked out any possibly possibility of learning anything new. Congratulations! The humble seeker. The second double bind is the humble seeker. The humble seeker thrives in ambiguity, in questions rather than answers, in cracks in the puzzle, in exceptions rather than rules, in minute details and relations, in subtle whispers, in the non-obvious, so he tells himself. There's the humanities student, the post-humanist, the Nietzschean, the Delusian, the Foucauldian, the Derrida fans, or even the Heidegger people. Cultural theorists and some deep ecologists or Taoists, there are, they are offended by the certainty of the speaker and they end by the very fact that her thoughts can be systematized, organized and lead to concrete conclusions. These consider themselves to be subtler and nobler breed, being humbler, more dynamic and open towards the paradoxical mysteries of the world. The problem, which makes this into a double bind, is that you have, in effect, precluded all system building and concrete suggestions in overarching maps and all simple underlying rules that you could elegantly explicate the complex emergence of the universe. You try to force the speaker into your way of thinking and speaking by relying on a concealed hierarchical system of your own. Your system look like, looks like this. All open subtle thinkers are morally or intellectually superior to rigid system builders and thereby all system builders have false conclusions. Of course this is very convenient for you since if the system builder is not rigorous and systematic you can brush the speaker off for that reason instead. Spiritual purity. A third double bind used by another kind of people is spiritual purity. Here you, stack, here you attack and degrade the speaker because she is not spiritual enough, because she thinks she thinks too much or tries to force her intellect upon the world. The problem with this is of course that the speaker can never prove her spiritual value to you, this being a subjective quality. You force upon her 
your own vague definitions of what you sense in her. This means that you feel empowered and superior to her and morally entitled to cut, to cut past her message, to stop listening to her. If she insists on trying to explain her point, you view it as further evidence of your own superior, superiority. If she follows your lead and stops trying to stops trying to think so much, you also take it as proof of your own spiritual superiority and that you thereby had nothing to learn from her in the first place. Indeed, she must listen to you in order to attain the spiritual purity that you think that you can already that you think you already have. This last double bind is by far the nastiest one. It should also be noted that the second and third double binds can be combined into especially mean co concoction, concoction named called organic growth, where you consider yourself wiser than the speaker because she does not let things grow organically. Of course, there can be wisdom in such advice, but the call for organic growth is often used as a double-bind method to pacify those in of differing opinions and agendas other than your own, one's own. All to protect yourself from the pain of being seriously challenged. Ours is a world full of self-deceit, my friend. But it is, at the same time, a world of sincere truth-seeking, scientific pro progress and curious late-night conversation about nature of reality and existence. If you are anything like myself and most other people, you harbor both these sides within truth-seeking and self-deceit. When you make objections while reading this book, try not to deceive yourself in the process. Try not to protect yourself from actually understanding. If you think that I am too gender-biased, like when I spoke of science as a whore, as if there were nothing gender-politically problematic about it, or that I focus on too little race slash ethnicity, or speak too little about ecology or animal rights, or spiritual union with Gaia, or that I mention the banking system too little, or if I'm too Eurocentric or anthropocentric, or that you just don't like me much, by all means, do criticize me, but do not turn it into an excuse for closing down your own process of learning and development. I am certain that you can improve upon the ideas presented here with your own perspective, knowledge and experience. Once you understand the pattern that connects up until that point, your critique is very likely false gold.